What's up, everybody? Paul Hickey here. Thanks for listening to the Data Driven Daily Tip podcast. In this special edition, you're going to hear a long, long, long keynote that I made at the Mount Juliet Chamber of Commerce in Tennessee in 2018, but it's still very, very relevant. It's on how all small businesses should use G Suite and Google My Business and Google Analytics to prevent small business injuries. Please, uh, Listen to the following sponsored read and then stay tuned for the, uh, the long keynote. Enjoy. Um, today's speaker is Paul Hickey, and he is the founder and CEO of Data, Data Driven Design, a Nashville-based digital strategy company. Paul has created and grown businesses via digital strategy and internet marketing for more than 10 years. His sweet spot is using analytics to design and build websites and grow the audience and revenue of businesses via SEO, blogging, Google AdWords, Bing ads, Facebook and Instagram ads, social media content, marketing, and email marketing. The part that he's passionate about is quantifying next marketing actions based on real data. So needless to say, uh, um, probably just said a mouthful that uh, they are experts in digital strategy and web design. One of the aspects that I admire about Paul the most is his endless energy and sincere interest in helping others. If you have a chance, please go to the Data Driven Design website and you'll immediately notice his love for what he does. And I handed all of you um, a form uh, that has uh, all of his social media and his website. There's a lot of content on there, but it's good stuff and it's easy to understand. And you'll you'll understand when you look at it that he's very passionate about what he does and, and helping others. Um, you'll find, I think he blogs every day. Uh, he's posted over 41 of, uh, 41 entertaining podcasts, so I know a couple of you love podcasts in here, so that's up your alley. Um, he regularly speaks at the American Marketing Association chapter in Nashville. Um, most recently, uh, he's spoken with uh, the Vanderbilt, is it the School of Business? Mm -hmm. School yeah. of Business, so I think he did a couple of classes over there. And I actually got to know him through a class uh, or an academy that he runs called uh, Data Driven Design Academy. Um, I think there's four or five classes there on the afternoon, and it was things that I needed to help my company with, with uh, the website and social media, and the classes are awesome. Lastly, I don't know if Paul will admit this or not, but he's a rapper. So maybe he'll share that <laughs> with you at some point, and I, I could go on and on about it, but it's... Today you're here to hear him speak, so we'll let him go. This is Paul Hickey. Awesome. Thank you so much. That really means a lot to me, and I'm super excited to be here in Mount Juliet. Um, I was telling Stephen earlier that um, we're a remote company, so we have uh, kind of shared office space in Nashville and Franklin, and uh, we have employees that live in Spring Hill, Nashville, and uh, we actually have um, someone in Chile right now uh, who's working. She's a full-time employee of ours. She's working, but she wanted to go 
it's her passion to go teach English uh, in a South American country. So we let her take a little hiatus for a few months and go do that. And she's uh, still working as a contractor and she's gonna come back and do her full-time job. And um, Galen knows this, but I'm actually, my wife and I, uh, who work for the company, we're actually moving to Spain for a couple of years uh, in August. So we're gonna keep, keep up and running, doing everything that we're doing right now, and keep roots here in Middle Tennessee, because we, we obviously plan on coming back, we love it here, so. And then our full-time employees will be here, but we have six people, so we're super small, and we like to think of ourselves as really scrappy, able to do the things that the larger agencies do. And we all have experience at larger agencies, and then, as many of you can probably relate to, we kind of just found some inefficiencies I'm super passionate about just avoiding inefficiencies and trying to be as straight to the point as possible and bring as much value. Um, so that's what hopefully we'll do today is kind of show you the Google Geek session, which is just going through all the different um, really low cost, high efficiency tools that G Suite, Google My Business, and Google Analytics uh, can provide, and the list goes on and on. So to Gay Lynn's point about basically data-driven academy is this class where um, we, we open it up to everyone, but then we also have, we took it to Vanderbilt for the um, Masters of Marketing class, and um, it's like four really in-depth, super geeky sessions where we teach like more and more about what you guys are gonna learn about today. There's one more actually this year, uh, the first Wednesday in May, it's going to be at our um, eSpaces location in Bellmead. So we'll have more information for you guys on that later. But before I get started, it'd be great just kind of go around the room, maybe starting with Phil. Maybe each one of you guys can introduce yourself and just kind of tell us a little bit about what you do and what you're hoping to get out of today. That'd be awesome. Okay. Uh, yeah, my name is Phil Olivier. I'm with uh, Majestic Springs Springwater. Um, it's a new water company uh, out of Mount Juliet with a spring in Tennessee, so it's, it's very exciting there. Um, but we're trying to start things from the ground up. Um, I just last week purchased the G Suite, which when I saw this, it's like, I really need to go here because we're trying to do everything, all at once. We're trying to do promote promotional items, production, purchasing. Um, and we need to find out just what he said, the low cost ways to get a great impact uh, out to customers and prospective customers. So I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. Hey, I'm Lisa Tucker. I own Aquabella Day Spa here in Mount Juliet. Uh, I'm also a realtor and I'm kind of a geek. I just love all of this stuff. It doesn't matter. I, I, get it. I just want to get something out of everything. Awesome. Thanks, Lisa. And I love podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Chris? Uh, my name is Chris Goodman. I'm a civil site designer group. We're engineers. Um, I'm kind of the one that kind of, I guess, spearheaded our social media group in our office. So, to share more awesome. about it. Awesome, great, that sounds great. Dory? Hi, I'm Dory Mitchell, I'm uh, a realtor and I'm the director of Leadership Wilson. And I am not very tech savvy, I'm too old. And so, uh, <laughs> never mind. No, I'm <laughs> I think it's, everything that I do scares me. Um, so anything that I learned today will be a plus. Awesome. You're welcome. You're not going to be able to mess any of this stuff up, just so you know. So. Okay. <laughs> I'm Lee Campbell with Pinnacle Financial Partners. I, also, I deal with small businesses, so I like to come to these kind of things to, when they're asking about web design or marketing, I can at least have a, have been knowledge of what they're talking about. So. 
I'm Tori Treadway, I'm the director of Habitat for Humanity here in Wilson County. And I'm here today because a couple months ago, one of my board members came to me and said, Tori, I think that there's, we might want to consider using you know, Google Suite or some version of, of that to, uh, you know, to help us in our, our board work. Uh, and so uh, anything we can do to be more efficient and yeah. uh, utilize our time better. We're, we're going to check into it, so I'm here to learn, learn more about it, all that. Awesome. Perfect. Steven? We, we kind of know why you're here, but go ahead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, uh, there's endless amount of opportunity to come to things like this, and I, I, I enjoy this one. But uh, kind of with Dory, you know, uh, I'm a little aged out, you know, as far as technology. I think everybody is this day that's um, over 15 years old, and uh, everybody is going to know more. Uh, <coughs> the next person is going to know more about it than you do, anything you do to keep up. Uh, or getting that side edge or advantage on, on the data side of things, it's, uh, it's worth looking into. Cool. I'm Leslie Hubble. I'm with Piedmont. I'm a residential rep here in Mount Juliet, and I'm with them. I, anything you can teach me will be great. Awesome. <laughs> just, if I just get a little bit out of Sounds it, I'll good. be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, Leslie. Stephanie? I'm Stephanie Whitehurst. I'm with Active Life Chiropractic, and we are looking to have more of a digital presence. Mm -hmm. Um, we're a growing practice, and our patients love <coughs> social media, and we really want to make a good impact and get there. That sounds so. great. Yeah, so for the social media, I mean, to me, this all goes together. My, <coughs> my, uh, the intro that Gay Lynn gave me was so nice. Um, all of that stuff that I do that I'm passionate about basically just came from probably something that everyone in here can relate to. It's like you, we all just have a goal of growing our business. And there's all these different things uh, where people are spending their attention and it's changing all the time. And so whether it's social media or whether it used to be email marketing, and sometimes it still is email marketing. It used to be radio spots and sometimes it still is radio spots. So whatever it is, wherever people's attentions up, attention is, we just kind of have to be flexible and we have to go there and find what's working and what's not. And so that's what uh, data-driven design or data-driven design is all about is um, just basically not being an advocate for one particular marketing channel, but always kind of calibrating what's working and what's not, and then going there for your for your target audience. So um, I think some of that will come through today, and then um, if anyone, we'll have leave time for Q&A at the end, so that if there's anything around what, what I can bring value to that you guys are looking to get that's not in the presentation, we can talk about social media, we can talk about... <coughs> Uh, any anything like specific um, and I can give you guys more information on where we have resource like free resources for you guys to get um, more value out of so um, my uh, my background is um, We're gonna forego the clicker. That's fine. Um, it was working earlier. My background is in professional sports. I'm a big, um, I'm a big sports fan, and so I'll use a lot of sports analogies today um, as I go through the presentation. But uh, a little bit more about um, who we work with. Uh, so we work with small to uh, mid-sized businesses. Um, a lot of these companies have come to us to solve like one particular. Uh, business problem and then we've been able to kind of help them with a lot of other things so um, the the Google suite uh, is one thing that you know we'll get started on um, but as I mentioned so my background is in professional sports and uh, 
I started as an intern with the Detroit Pistons when I was 19. I used to live in Michigan, and so I worked for free for a couple years, and that was probably one of the best experiences of my life. I still take uh, a lot of those experiences with me to this day. Um, it's kind of just like getting in where you fit in, trying to provide value, and that's really what um, what a lot of these uh, a lot of these kind of lessons that I'll talk about today kind of come from. The first one um, is in terms of today's learning targets is uh, we're gonna talk about preventing small business injuries. And I'll talk about what that means because when you're a small team of one to four people, regardless of what size company we've all worked for, I've worked for, uh, like I mentioned, the Pistons, I've worked for Columbia State Community College, um, I've worked for different agencies, probably ranging from maybe 10 to 40 people, and then now I have my own six-person company. But regardless of the size of the company, it's always really like a one to four-person team that's really doing something together, right? So it's really important to prevent these small business injuries, increase productivity, and then of course some of you talked about social media and, and advertising. Uh, increasing visibility, so there's some of that in here with the Google tools. And then of course, as Galen mentioned, um, we're big on the tracking results and then calibrating what's working, what's not, and going with what's working. And so that's a huge part of, of today. We're gonna talk about each of these things. So in terms of preventing small business injuries, that's the Gmail, that's the setting up the business email through the G Suite, which is Gmail for business. And then um, increasing productivity, we're gonna walk through the file storage and document collaboration capabilities of the Google Drive and Google Docs, Sheets, um, Slides. And then um, increasing visibility will be the Google My Business piece and tracking results will be Google Analytics. So small business injury prevention is this concept that i just came up with where i was running the i've been i'm training for a, the nashville marathon coming up next saturday and um my body's thank you <laughs> and so like my body like has broken down at several points in training for different uh different things that i've been involved in so um it's one of two things can happen. You can either do the annoying things like stretching, icing, those different things to perform better moving forward, or you can kind of like deal with these injuries in a different way, like maybe take medication and like kind of hide them, but then the problem's still there. And so what I honestly believe is that this analogy of an athlete not stretching is similar to a business owner that doesn't deal or a poor it doesn't have to be an owner, but someone who's responsible for kind of the, the IT infrastructure, not dealing with just setting up an email account and email servers in the right way. And so this used to be something that, and I apologize in advance to any like IT professional or media buyer or anyone in the room or that, or that might watch this or hear about this later, because you still have a lot of value, but the people in this room and the people that you work with you, like they don't need you don't need to go to school for that stuff anymore. It's not complicated. Like these tools that we're walking through today, they're so easy to set up. And so you're gonna see me. There's a slide that's like you'll see it. But anyway, um, uh, let's just kind of walk through how easy this is. And I think Phil mentioned that he's he's already purchased this. So in terms of like the answer, the stretching, the stretching that is annoying but prevents injury but prevents injuries 
is setting up the business email on the G Suite like this uh, to increase productivity in the long term. It's really not even as annoying as stretching is. Um, so the first thing you're gonna do is go to, um, and some of you might be familiar with this, but gsuite.google.com. And it's basically just gonna be select the package that you want. Um, and, and just to kind of pause quickly and set the stage for this, this is talking about your domain name. So it might be the Duke Energy, for example, uh, .com. Um, it's Gmail, but it's not the personal Gmail that you're thinking of where it's like your name at gmail.com. It's going to be the same platform in terms of how you can use it, with, but with more capabilities. So um, it's, it's gonna come obviously with that, <coughs> with shared calendars, with uh, voice and video conferencing, and shared cloud storage. So this is all of what you're buying with these packages. And then it also comes with the 24-7 support by phone, email, and online chat. So again, sorry to the IT people that have kind of like made their living around providing these services to small businesses. But what I've seen, what I've run into is that those solutions have become more complicated and, and actually caused some business injuries. So this is the, the stretching where it's like, if you can take ownership over this and set up the G Suite, you also have the support from Google. So you actually don't necessarily need the other services that really slow you down. They, they, you end up spending more time dealing with the outsourced IT person coming to your office, talking to him. You could be using that time to do other things to run your business. Um, so signing up for a basic business or enterprise package, really the only difference is the amount of storage you get. So for someone like me and probably everyone in this room, if you get the one terabyte if you've ever, like, back in the day, gone to like Best Buy and bought like a, a terabyte hard drive, have you ever filled it up? No. no. I've never filled that up. And I have like all my, you know, it, family photos, family videos, work stuff, whatever, I've never. So I just get the one terabyte per user, and that would be the $10 a month per user um, for the G Suite. So um, what this means, again, is that setting this up, allows you to not spend as much time dealing with other stuff. For example, questions. Do we, what do you use for video conferencing? You can still use these tools if you need them and you know what you're doing because it's not gonna slow you down, but a lot of us get slowed down by just, just even the thought process of, oh my gosh, I've got all this stuff to do today, like how am I gonna communicate with these people? Am I gonna use JoinMe? Am I gonna use Zoom? Am I gonna use GoToMeeting? Like, just, it's gonna be the Google Hangouts for the G Suite and just make it the Google Hangouts. And then if you have like a particular client or somebody that's not on your team where you need to use one of these tools, you can go ahead and use one of the tools. But Do you question. find there's any problem with some people that you communicate with are on Android and some people are on Apple phones? That's a great question. So we'll, I'll provide a little bit more detail on that later, but uh, no, because um, Google, so they have apps that are that will span the iOS or the Android devices for the Hangouts and all of these. Um, the Dr Google Drive has its own app. Uh, Google Docs, Sheets, and Slides all have their own apps for iOS and Android, and so does Hangouts and Gmail. So one option is to download all of those apps. It's obviously a lot of apps to download. When you log in with your, your email account, it's all synced up. So you, it's all in the cloud and you can access it through those devices. So it's a one-time setup thing and then you're good to go. 
And then um, the other option is, I'll show you guys this later, but you can, if you're not a fan of Gmail itself, you can use this service, <coughs> but use a native mail app. So if you're, if you're used to like, one concern is like, well, I'm used to how Outlook works, or I'm used to how this other thing works. But what you're really doing is you're using the native mail app on your computer or on your phone for that, and G, you can do the same thing with G Suite. So you can set your Google email up through the native mail app on your phone or your computer and still use it the same way if you don't like the Gmail platform. I'll kind of show you more on that. But that kind of goes to what, a little bit to me on what you're asking. Um, and then so on the file, like I personally use Dropbox a lot for a lot of different reasons, but then I find myself going, well, why am I doing that? Because I have Google Drive. I can share everything I need through Google Drive. Even if people that don't have Google Drive, if I want to share with them, I still can because you can create a link that's just shareable. I'll show you guys how to do all this. Um, so, and then the Microsoft products, like nothing against Microsoft, but with this, you don't need to pay for Word, PowerPoint, Excel. It's all Google's version of it in the G, uh, G Drive. And uh, uh, that's what the, the dot sheets and slides are. And so even if you need to download it, as a PowerPoint file from slides and send it to somebody who has who wants to see it in PowerPoint. Even if you don't have PowerPoint, you have the ability to do that. So just kind of, uh, sorry to the, this was the slide I was talking about. So sorry to John or Sally, the IT person. Um, you still have value, but like let's use you in a different way. Like let's level you up a little bit and say, all right, like we don't need you for this, but we need you for these other things that we know you're capable of. Um, it's just slowing everything down to the point where it's like, I've pulled my hamstring now and I can't run as fast, right? Because I'm spending all this time on stuff that we just should not be spending our time on. And I just get, you can tell I'm passionate about this because I just talk to business owners and marketers all the time from different, different types of businesses that, that that's what they're focused on when they could be focused on like running faster, i.e digital marketing, social media, um, getting more reach to their, to their target audience. So um, here's what I was talking about earlier. If you were to go into say your iPhone or your Android phone and um, go into settings, you would be able to see accounts and passwords. And if, if you add account, you can add your Google account here. And then you're basically just, once you're signed up, you're logging into, uh, now this is, I've kind of paused to kind of show you guys this because I figured some people would have some questions. And then, so this is a Mac, a screenshot from a Mac, um, and the PC has a similar equivalent where you're going into your accounts for your mail and you're just gonna add, you'd add your Google account. Um, so, okay, now we're back to how to set up the business email. So all we've done is we've gone to gsuite.google.com then we've selected our package, like whether it's $5 a month per user just to get started with the, uh, the 30 gig storage or the terabyte storage. Uh, you'll fill up the 30 gigs like super fast. That's why I went straight to the terabyte for $10 a month. Um, and then you're just saying, okay, do I wanna initially set up my company as myself or how many employees do I have? What's your contact info, your current email address? So you could use something like, a, like whatever your, uh, if you're setting up a new one, whatever your, uh, I would use a personal email address for that. It's just an email that, that G Suite can contact you at about your, um, your, your new business email. It's gonna 
it, now it's now you're just putting in your domain name. So if it's DukeEnergy.com, I'm just going to keep using that as an example. Um, you would type that in here. You're probably going to have one, so you're going to select yes, I have a domain name. Type in the domain name, and now you're going to say, okay, what's my first email address? So in this case. I was setting one up for a client the other day, so I used this as my example as info at newhoperanfrehab.com. And they just want to have that one inbox for now, so I'm setting that up. And then you're, this is where you're setting the password. So it's step six, but like as you're clicking through this, it's really like it feels like step two because it's just everything's just super common sense. Um, and then you're going to review your plan. Uh, you get free 14-day trial, so if you hate it for whatever reason, you can you can cancel it later. Um, but they give you 14 days for free. Put your credit card information on file, and then for everyone concerned about security, there is a two-step authentication, which most of us are probably pretty familiar with now. You're starting to see that more, where you're at least from your bank or your credit card, all of them have like a two-step authentication, and even more just regular apps are starting to have those. So you've got that with the G Suite. Um, you'll get you so that, like as soon as you do this, you'll get your first your code to make sure that it's you. Um, and then the last thing, which to me I have years of experience doing this, so it's second nature to me. The concept is um, that each domain name. So if it's DukeEnergy.com when they set up your email, that's that kind of has its own place, its own home, just for that. URL, that domain name, and it has these records. The key records are the A record and the MX record. The A record is what tells your website that DukeEnergy.com needs to go to your website. And the MX record stands for mail exchange, so that's your email record. So all you're doing to actually configure your email account is you're logging in. This is a screenshot from GoDaddy. So a lot of people have their domain name hosted through GoDaddy, but there's several others you can buy a domain name through. So you're logging into that website and going and clicking on something called DNS, Domain Name Servers, and you, and you select MX Record. Not that any of you would necessarily do this, but I want you to know how to because I just want you to see how really simple it is. Google gives you records. These are the Google uh, MX records. So you, you just create an MX record for each of the four of these. This value goes into here, and this at symbol goes into this host field. And then this priority time to live goes into this. And then you click save, and within so you're just filling out, these are always the Google MX records, they never change. I Googled them to find them. Although when you're setting up your Gmail, they tell you this, and then they tell you to do this, and that's like your step number eight. And within the next 45 seconds to 45 minutes, depending on how long it takes to propagate through the internet, you'll get a notification from G Suite saying, okay, you're good to go log into your, your account. And now you'll be the admin. Um, so this is what it looks like when you like when you first log in. It gives you the ability to manage users. So now you can add more users. Um, you can you can set up your company profile, which is just kind of some information that if you have a company with you know two to fifty people in it, and you're setting up a lot of these users, 
You might want them to see a particular message, a particular branding. It's almost like it can become kind of like your intranet portal as well. Um, so company profile information. Um, and then all sorts of other uh, features and functionality in here, but those are the basic ones. I'm gonna kinda now just step out of this and uh, just show you guys like how easy it is to set up a user. So I'm gonna kinda show you my admin. And then we can, if there's any questions on any of this, let me know. And Steven made me think of something too. So if you go into, so I just clicked users. So you guys are gonna see all of my, my employees in here, all of our, our email addresses and stuff. Here's all of our users for data-driven design. So we've got this analytics experts account. That would be something like we can all access that. I give everybody the username and password. That's for actually sharing Google Analytics access uh, internally in our company so we don't have to ask clients to add everybody to the Google Analytics, we can just do one. Um, but if I wanted to go in and say, so this is a good example actually of a really practical use for this. So Bailey's the person that I was telling you is in Chile. And so during her little hiatus, she's moved from a full-time, just for that time period of like three months, she's moved from a full-time employee to a contractor. Right, So she's working probably 10 hours a week as a contractor right now. Well, I know that, I wanna get her, e I wanna like, get her emails, just in case a client emails her um, while she's out, only work going down from 40 hours to 10 hours a week. And so something like setting up, going into my email, my user, and I don't wanna delete her account or, or anything because she's still working, but going into, my account and then being able to go into my user details and you can see that um, I have multiple aliases here so I can add her email account as an alias and the other thing I can do is go into my actual email and tell my email to, I can tell her email to forward to me and then I can accept that into my email. So I'll show you guys that as well. But this is also where, so we can set up aliases, um, we can reset passwords, we basically can manage everything that we need to for all of our, all of our employees right in this admin panel. And it's, to me it's really intuitive because it's, it's uh, in line with kind of everything that we're used to with Google, logging into a Google account. Um, but something like this, being able to just add users, let me just show you guys adding a user. So down here, this little plus button, and then you're gonna add users and set their password and create an account. All of a sudden they're up and running. So that gives them access to this to this dashboard, right? That gives them access. So they're gonna have their own version of this dashboard. They're not gonna be like the full admin, like this view. Okay. This would be, uh, this would be like you setting it up for your company, for your employees. Yeah. Um, but they're gonna have their own version of this where they can kind of go in and manage some of their own mail settings. Primarily what they're gonna do is go to gmail.com and log in with the, so they're gonna be 
steven at dukeenergy.com. And that's, they're gonna go to gmail.com, log in with that as their username, and then whatever password you set for him. Um, and then when he logs into Gmail, his business Gmail, is gonna look like this. Those company settings I was telling you earlier, um, you can put like a company logo here in your comp uh, the company profile settings. But this is what your user is gonna have access to is their, their business email account. So if they, like they start to compose an email, they're, you know, the main purpose of this is that so it's paul at datadriven.design and not like paul datadrivendesign at gmail.com or something, it's the professional. With, that was the part where I showed, where I talked about like taking the, logging into your domain name, setting the MX records to Google. After that, that's what makes it where you're logging in as your, your actual business address. So only one person has master control? Uh, to start and then, but you can add, you can add um, users and give them admin permissions. Okay. okay. The, there'll be one master admin that will be able to be the main owner of the account okay. and then they'll be able to assign other admin permissions to other people that okay. they might need to help them okay. with it. So I mean, I would highly recommend that whoever the actual, whoever the most likely person is to be at the business long term, uh, whether it's the owner, I mean, I'll just talk the language like of my world, like it's usually the owner of the business. It's usually the owner of the business that's even doing the marketing sometimes, right? Like they're, they're always doing everything. So I think the business owner should set this up. And then if, it's, if the business owner hasn't set it up, they should just make sure that whoever set it up adds them as an admin so that they have the same permissions. Because um, you can't mess this up. Worst case scenario, you call Google, you call the 24-7 the help number and they, they can help you get out of any jam uh, right away. So um, I want to make sure that I'm showing you guys a good amount of information. So if you have any questions, just let me know. But I think, I mean, for the most part, that's all you're gonna need to just basically get set up, add users. As a user, there's a bunch of different things that you can do. Um, so if, if you have any questions about any of that, I'm happy to show you. Um, maybe during the Q&A we can talk about, like I can show you guys how to go back in, and, like do an email signature or, um, also, like what I showed you, or how now I'm getting, ba or I talked about how now I'm getting <coughs> Bailey's email, things like that, where you <coughs> would assign, because there's a difference between the assigning of the alias and then the assigning of, I want to receive someone else's email, like as their supervisor or something like that for a particular reason, but also have them still have an inbox. All of that's really easy to do within, within the G Suite. So, um, now that that's all set up, like it's time to go now. It's time to like you like it's time to use the rest of the tools to be efficient. So now that we have no injuries, we're gonna start to run. We're gonna start to run fast. So we're gonna go through now. I'll show you guys the G Suite uh, file creation, file sharing capabilities, collaboration, which is amazing, and um, and then just stop me at any point with any questions here. So let's just kind of do some of this together as well. 
Um, I'm gonna pull up my, so this is my G drive. And just to set the stage again, um, when we signed up, we said we'd have cloud storage. So this is the cloud storage. So um, you can see I've used like 502 gigabytes of my one terabyte. And just to give you guys like a visual for what that is, it's like, here's kind of my top level file structure. And then I go into clients, like my clients folder, several folders. And then if I go into, you know, if I go into any of these clients, there's several more folders with assets, videos, photos, all that stuff. So it's just very robust with the ability to store files. Now, another sort of potential business injury that I've run across in the past with a lot of um, people that I've worked with is I've gotten the question a lot, what do we do about file sharing? or not necessarily even collaborating <coughs> in files together, but just sharing files. Like, do we need a shared drive that's local to our business? And that you, it used to be that like, you needed a server in your business location with a hardwired network to share those kind of files. And so when I meant, made the comment about the IT people earlier, like that's what they ended up having to spend a lot of their time on, was setting those things up internally at a small business. So it's very natural, I think, for the mindset, having that been the case just a few years ago, the mindset now is, okay, that's probably what I need. Well, the reality is, this is really all you need because this is your shared storage. And so any, I don't know if you guys can see this, but this little folder here has like a person in it. And that's because I've sh I'm sharing all of the, this client folders with all of my employees. So if I were to right click this folder, it brings up all of these options. And I've decided that this little icon here with the person with the plus symbol that says share, that I'm sharing it with you know, these employees that are on my team can all access the client folder. So on their end, um, they get a notification from me after I share it with them. So that's all I have to do to share it with them is just right click, click share, and then type in their email address here, their business email address here, and then done and it shares it with them. Earlier I mentioned you could share files with people that don't have G Drive, um, like AKA not use Dropbox, but instead use this kind of a thing. For that, you can do, there's this link right here that says get shareable link. And so if you were to do copy this, it says copy the link and turn link sharing on. That just means now anyone in the general public who has that link can access that folder or, or just if it's one particular file, you just do the same thing. If you don't want to share a folder, so you, have, you want you to share- You have to email that link to them to access it? Yeah, and then you would email them that link. So actually this will, um, <coughs> This will generate an email from your G Drive. It'll say, you know, Phil at MajesticSpringWater.com has shared this file with you and it'll link to them. And then, I mean, just because I'm, I just don't want any, I don't know, I guess I'm kind of anal in that way. Like I also email them the link. Like I copy the link and I say, hey, I just shared this with you. You'll probably get another email, but here's, here's the link. So um, 
this is like pretty, it's basic stuff, but um, you know, hopefully it's just kind of helpful for just knowing that if you can consolidate the amount of tools that you're using and focus on that and just kind of block out all of the what ifs or the possibilities or the other people that you have to talk to about getting to the tools, then you can go faster. So, um, Paul, quick question for you. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, so when you can embed the link in, in your email, mm -hmm. uh, is that the route to get around? Because I, I have the same issue at work with file sharing. Mm -hmm. uh, Duke Energy does not allow uh, through the firewall any outside file sharing sites or capabilities, so I can't access Google Docs from my work email. Okay. Uh, but nobody ever sends the link. Um, and I'm not aware of that, so I, I can be able to tell them to go back in, not do the um, that particular uh, way to do it, and then go back in and send the link, and should have no problems, regardless of... Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know the details of your particular yeah. firewall, but I would try that. It sounds like it would work if you're... So we're talking about creating a public link just yeah. to share. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You uh, should at least be able to... And it'll be read-only access for them, but you yeah, just need to see it. Well, nobody ever does. Nobody ever sends it like you. Yeah. yeah. So the other way, I mean, that's a good question. So the other way that you could we could look at that is... Like if I wanted to, uh, if I wanted to share a file, okay, here's just like notes that I took in a meeting. Um, like you can download the file right from, and Galen and I were talking about this, so this is a good example. I actually took this, these notes in a meeting in Microsoft Word. Um, but knowing that and the reason I did that is because I didn't have internet access in the meeting. If I would have had internet access in the meeting, I just would have gone directly into my Acuity Engine, or I would have gone into Clients, created my Acuity Engine folder right there in the meeting, or before the meeting, and then I would have gone to New, sorry, I'm getting to the end, <laughs> to where I was going with the question, but I'm show something else at the same time. So I would go New Google Doc, which is basically the equivalent of opening up a Word document on my computer. And I would click create and share because it's in a shared folder. So sure, I want all those people that are in the shared folder to have access to it. And I would have named this like, you know, Acuity Engine Notes, you know, like notes from meeting. Okay, name it there. Then I would have taken notes in the meeting and this, is what, this would have been my meeting notes. But instead, I didn't have internet access, so I took, I took the notes in a Word doc, but then I uploaded the Word doc into the G drive just by going new file upload. So this is useful for like, let's say you're transitioning over to G drive and you're first setting up all your folders, you're, like, you're going, okay, new folder, naming your folder and creating it. Now you've created all your new folders, but now you're like, okay, I've got all these documents in Word or Excel or PowerPoint or whatever. I want to upload them into my G Drive and I want to turn them into Google, uh, Google Docs. So what I do with this notes from this particular meeting is I uploaded it in Word and now you can open with Google Docs. This little, this little um, option here, open with Google Docs. Now it becomes your Google Doc. So what I was going with the answer to Steven's question is, if for whatever reason you can't share that file, 
your fallback option could be, although it's not the best one, could still be to now, now that you've, so say you've got it in a Google Doc, now you download as Word or PDF if you want it to be read-only. So it gives you the ability to do that as a worst-case scenario to share with your, with your folks. That way you don't have to redo the document or anything. But I think that your link, that link sharing will work for you. Um, and this is also where I was telling you guys earlier that you actually don't need, you really don't need like Word or Power, if this were a, a, a sheet, which I'll show you in a second, it would say Excel, download as Excel or download as CSV. Um, so, that's really any helpful. Any questions on that? And my, the people that I work with, because they all are sending me different files, I'll get sheets from somebody and then I'll get an Excel file from somebody. Or, you know, they're working on Macs or they're working on, you know, their PC. So I'm getting all these different files and that just converts them over quickly. So it's a lot easier to work with. Yeah, it's become my entire workflow. Because, uh, yeah, to your point, like you'll get a bunch of different stuff from people, but if you, from kind of uh, outside folks, but if you and your team are all in this platform and you're in the, the habit of creating something in a doc or a sheet or a slide in G Drive, and then it's already shared with each other, so you can just say, hey, it's in the whatever folder, or you can email them that link. Um, and then you get something from somebody who's outside of your team and you just upload it as a, you know, as, as that original um, file, but then turn it into a, a Google Sheet or a Google Doc. Um, then that's how you just get into that mindset and that's how you can kind of go, go efficiently and effectively and get more done. So, I mean, a, another good example of this is like, we're writing copy for a client's website and you each have your own examples of this, right? Like where you just, you're wanting to share or collaborate on a document. So I go into this particular client's folder under website redesign and it's their website copy that I'm that we're, like I'm writing some of it but then I've also got some of my employees helping me with it and then there's one of our developers, Chris, is he's actually the one taking the copy and putting it into the website so rather than using all these different tools to communicate, or if you were to use email for something like that, and again, you all have your own, like where you can think, okay, this is how it applies to my business, where you've got like a version control, like you could do version control with this, or you can just always keep the changes tracked in the most live, in the most live document, which is like what we're doing right here, where we can collaborate. So. Chris and I can be in here at the same time, or Kate and I can be in here at the same time writing web copy for Chris as he's putting it into the website. Um, and so we can be having those communications. And he's got a live, like real-time updated document. So like my mind goes back to when I used to work for the Pistons or Columbia State, you had to have that hard server in your office with a version, with a, it was a shared folder, but you had all these different versions. So it'd be like, go to version four, I just updated it, it's version five. Now it's just, this is the document, we're all collaborating in it, and it's all right there. And it's $5 a month per user, or $10 a month per user, with like no overhead cost of anything else. No server, no anything like that. So, um, is there anything, any questions around uh, like these concepts? 
and then I can show you, you know, the other the other tools in here, the main ones. Uh, so we did Docs, Sheets is Excel, basically. So I'm keeping a lot of different information in Sheets. Um, so it's gonna it's gonna be exactly like a Microsoft. It's gonna look exactly like a Microsoft Excel workbook with the ability to add sheets down here and then title the entire workbook up here and then download it as a Excel or a CSV, which is another common like that's another common file type that you would get that would just automatically turn it into Microsoft Excel. Um, What's that mean? It stands for comma separated values, which is a um, really it's just mainly like an output. It's a different type of output file from something that would have data in it in a database. And then I mean, basically, Microsoft Excel is like a way to create your own database and have different formulas in it and sort of dynamically feed that information into different applications. And so a CSV is just basically an output from a database that isn't Excel yet, but when Microsoft created Excel, it created it to where you could convert from that type of a file into Excel so that pe people who aren't um, engineers or, or computer programmers could work within it. And so that's, it's just, the point is that Sheets does the same thing. So it's kind of, it's kind of replaced Excel um, for a lot of people. So um, again, just uh, being able to collaborate in Sheets in the same same way as Docs. So um, it's just a different way to save information, right? Yeah, there's an auto save on all of this as well. So you know, it's um, it, it'll take a little bit of getting used to, but we're kind of used to clicking save all the time on documents. In here, it'll auto save it for you, which is nice. And if you ever mess anything up, there's the undo button. You can go back and undo, undo things as many times as you want. So when I'm working um, in Sheets on a document that I have shared with someone else so that she can see what's going on, let's say I put something in on Monday and it's changed by Thursday. I delete it. Does it delete it in the version she's seeing as mm -hmm. well? Yeah. Okay, great. So it's editing constantly yeah. both versions. Yeah. Like what I okay, great. It's the exact same version. Thank That's you. a great question. So like if if Dory and Lee were collaborating on something, um, you would see each of them up here, like you'd see each of their little icons up here to see yeah, exactly. that both of them are in here. And you would have see my little blue cursor. Uh, so Stephanie, like if you and I were collaborating, like yours would be red, I would see you in here and I could hover over your your red one right here and it would say Stephanie. Okay. And so um, that's just kind of a cue that you know like that person's actually working in that document in that place in the document at the same time. Okay. And um, so if you didn't want someone, if you had a shared document that you were working in and you didn't want anyone else to edit it, you have a real simple feature to be able to just duplicate. Like if I, and like I probably should have had Kate help me with this presentation, but I didn't. I did it all on my own, but if I wanted like her to help me with it, she, you know, I could share access with her and then I would see her in here. But then if I was like, <coughs> so this, uh, I would do that. But if I didn't, if I wanted to just, if, if I knew she was gonna maybe do some things, but I didn't want her to mess up what I was doing, um, 
So I do this a lot. Well, really with my, with my sales proposals, I do this all the time. I'll just go make a copy of the previous sales proposal. And you can do that by just going file and make a copy. And then it'll say, okay, so you name it, put it into a different folder or keep it in the same folder. And now you have the copy of the document made immediately and you can have like your own notes. So, okay. So like I'm sharing, I basically go through those steps and I'm sharing it with her just to view. She's not going to edit it or anything, but if I edit it, is she getting the updated edited version? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's what I was right away. Like you could be on the phone with her, which I usually am. I'm on the phone. I'm like, okay, a few hours earlier, I've sent it to her. I'm on the phone and then I need to make some changes. And so those changes are happening in real time. She's looking at it. It's happening in front of her eyes the same way that it's happened, that you're doing it. Okay, great. Right at the same time. Right. Yeah. Okay. And there's really not an equivalent. So Microsoft has tried to compete with this through like Word Online and things like that. Right. And I've used all the different platforms and it just, none of them work as well as, as the Google. Okay. The collaboration on the tools is, is pretty. So the, 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 um, your example is what I was talking about over here with, um, I think I might have closed it. No, it's still up. This website copy document. Okay. So these are all my notes for Chris. Like, you know, you can highlight this and insert a comment. And then over here, I could say like, Chris, and I can actually like assign him, um, You know, I can put a note in here like this button on the home page pricing. I want this button to say this, assigned to Chris. He'll get an email notification saying Paul's added a comment to this document that he wants you to do it. Or what you're talking more about is like if I change this from nurse, nurses and clinicians to like healthcare professionals. If Chris was in that document, like he would have seen that exact thing happen right at that time. Okay. All right. Because I'm usually yeah. doing like spreadsheet type uh -huh. and putting in information in different, you know, numbers and things like that. So yeah. when I share it with her. She does not edit it, but it's still yeah. a shared document. So I just wanted to, because I update it almost daily. So yeah. it's, she's getting that updated first. She's getting it right away. Okay. And um, thank you. Yeah, of course. And then there's also, so I just undid all my changes there by clicking the undo button. Mm -hmm. um, what was I gonna? Okay, so you, the other option is like you could share, say you, cause you made me think of, I'm working in it, she's not editing it. And I talked about copying a document, but in your case, if you wanted just her to see it while you were working on it, but not give her access to change it. Right. You can do that by saying like, I mean, I could add Joe who's on my team, but I don't want Joe to be able to change this. I can say, so it defaults to can edit. I could just say can view. Got yeah. Okay. And send it to Joe. Now Kate, Bailey, and Chris can edit it, but Joe can only view it. Great. So you can do that. Okay. So see, I have not been using this to the full potential. Mm -hmm. Just my yeah, limited. Okay. 
That's yeah. why I'm here. <laughs> Sweet. What else? <laughs> it's probably better for you guys to ask me questions. Cause... Okay. So we're going to go to hopefully save some for the Q&A, but showing you the doc slides. So Google My Business. This is a real simple concept. I think all of you will relate to this. So if you imagine the history of the internet, say the last 20 to 25 years, uh, as yellow pages and other businesses have transitioned over to websites from, from printed pieces, um, there's been a lot of copycats, like, like hundreds and thousands of copycats that have tried to monetize local businesses by creating a website, creating directory listings, and then trying to contact each business and say, for $50 a month or $10 a month or whatever, right. we, well, we've already created this listing for you. We don't know if it's correct or not, but for $50 a month, you can have the correct, you have the ability to make sure that it's correct. So this has happened, I'm very, I used to get hit up with this all the time when I was a marketing director, and so, uh, local business directory listings are all out of whack. And so that's hurting a lot of people's local SEO. There's a, um, so there's that piece. We're gonna talk about the Google piece and I can answer some questions about how to correct kind of the other piece. The Google piece is similar to that actually because Google has gone, Google's essentially done the same thing. They've like on their Google Maps, they've scanned the globe for all the local businesses and then they've input what they think are the correct business information for each business. Well, a lot of times they have like a number on an address is wrong, a phone number's wrong or has changed. They might have the, it might be a correct phone number but it goes to the wrong person or the wrong extension now. Businesses have moved and on and on and on. They have website information that's wrong. A lot of stuff that's wrong on Google, it's called Google My Business now, that's literally what Google calls it. So when I say Google My Business, I'm referring to the actual product that Google has. And so what it is is like, when I search Spring Hill, uh, Spring Hill TN Dentist, and I see the map listings of these dentists in Spring Hill, or any business in Mount Juliet, it would be the exact same thing. You would get a listing here with a map kind of up at the top, the local business listing. And then if you were to make a search for a particular business, you would see their Google My Business listing over here. That's what I'm talking, that's essentially what I'm talking about for the user. So, and then on a mobile device, um, it's gonna look like just basically right up at the top of the screen. There'll be a, a screenshot of it later. I'm gonna show you guys how to acquire and acquire, verify, then manage your listing. So you have to first acquire it, verify it, then manage it. Chances are some of your businesses have already acquired and verified it, but, you're, but you don't necessarily know exactly what you can do to manage it. And then, but I would say for nine out of 10 businesses, they, don't, they haven't acquired or verified it yet. So when you go to google.com slash, this is how to like find out. If you like just check on the status of your business, go to google.com slash business or business.google.com. It'll take you to the same place. So if you log in, or if you're already logged into Google, like you're using G Suite already, then you're probably already gonna be logged in. You'll click Add Location. There'll be a blue Add Location button. And you'll have a screen that'll look more like this. So this Add Location button. If you don't, you'll have a screen that looks more like this. Then it'll say Start Now, if you're not logged in. Regardless of what situation you're in, you're gonna get this screen, what's the name of your business? 
because Google's asking you basically like, all right, tell us who you are so that we can figure out what your status is basically. So you really can't mess anything up in this step-by-step -step process. So you'll enter your business name. Next up is enter your address and then what kind of business. So as you can see, I've done this. These are the screenshots from me doing it. So my phone number, my website, then it's gonna get to the screen verif verifying your connection to this business. That really doesn't mean anything yet. What, ha what will happen is gonna be one of two things. And it's gonna be dependent upon like how many businesses have ever been at that address or how many businesses has your account ever been associated with. You're gonna either get, the, you're not gonna get an option. You're gonna either, Google's gonna tell you, we will mail you a postcard to this physical address. So you have to have a physical address to even have a Google My Business listing. Or we will call you by phone. So you have to have an actual phone number that a human being would answer. Those are the two required, like you can't do a routing number through a third party app that's like an answering service for your business. And you can't have like a PO box for this. So for me, for my case, this address happens to be where many, many businesses have their business address at. So Google's saying, we need to, we're gonna send you a postcard. So I type my name in here and it tells me, postcard is on the way, it'll arrive in about five days. And then this is what a postcard looks like. Ultimately, you're, you're, want, you're requesting a verification code. So either the postcard has the code on it or a phone, a phone call from Google has the verification code on it. And you're praying for the phone call because that's just the easy, it's like you can get it done right away, you're verified, you're good to go. The postcard, it's not the end of the world, but it just takes a little bit longer. So you'll get, if, if you get the phone, if you're lucky enough to get the phone call, you just click call, be ready for the call. It'll be fast. Google will call you right away and they'll, uh, you'll get this little message, call is on the way, and it'll just basically read you the six digit verification number. Um, and then you'll, t you'll, basically there'll be a screen you can type it in on, and then you'll have, well, this is the postcard. You'll have, if you, if you get the postcard, you'll have this until you're able to type in your verification code. And then um, you'll have the ability to, I'm just gonna pop out real quick and show you guys. Okay, so here's my, my businesses that I've been able to verify and publish. And I recently had the pleasure of doing this for a local business that you guys are probably familiar with, but Twice Daily, or TriStar Energy, Twice Daily and White Bison are a client of ours. So Twice Daily has three different brands of convenience store, one being Twice Daily, another being T-Fuel, another being TriStar Energy, and now they have a coffee uh, barista bar called White Bison. So their Google My Business situation, we need to collaborate to clean it all up, basically make sure every store location has the right address, the right phone number, and the right <coughs> hours of operation, the right features, everything. So there's about, so right now we have 60 verified and published locations and 21 that haven't been published yet. So those are the postcards that we're waiting on. Basically, so the 21 have been, the store has moved or there's been another business associated with it. So this is just Google's way of trying to create a simple process that have you take ownership over it. So when you have uh, 
like if a, if a location isn't published and you, um, you try to go in and confirm location and you click verify, this is what I was telling you about getting the phone call. And then if I were to click call, which I'm not, because then somebody would actually get a call, the next screen would be where you type in this code. So once your information has been, once you've verified your location, AKA typed in that code, your location has been published, you now have ownership over it and you can change the information in your listing. So you can take control over your address, you can add hours of operation, you can customize your hours of operation, your website, you can add attributes. So anything about accessibility here or amenities, um, you can add highlights, basically like creating your own little web page, your own website really within, within Google. So once it's verified and then you move to a new location, they don't need to re-verify the location. You That's know. right. Okay. That's exactly right. So great question. Another reason definitely why to do this is because uh, you don't need to re-verify it. You can just go in and, and make changes because you've already verified it. And changes are, depending on what you do, you might get some kind of a notification from Google saying like, we're checking on this or we may check with you, but th those, those things typically don't take more than 24 to 48 hours before they'll actually be published live to the, to the public after you've made the change. So definitely like, I know for a fact that just about everybody has thought, like, why is this wrong on Google? Like, Google has it wrong. Well, this, so this is how to fix it. Basically, it's to go, go to google.com slash business, check on the status of your business, check on the information. It's probably not verified. It's just not a common thing that, that marketing people think to do or that IT people think to do. And certainly business owners don't really think to do it. Um, so taking control over how your information is published is obviously important, but then it also gives you the ability to run, um, I'm not going to get into this too much just for the sake of time. The, if you're really interested in this, the Data Driven Academy is obviously a great way to go, but um, the ability to run ads on the map against your listing. So if you're ever wondering like when I Google, not necessarily my name, my business's name, but a type of service or product that I provide, there's other people showing up on like the top there in the map. Like how do I get up there? One way to do it is to run Google AdWords Express ads from your Google My Business listing. And it's just a um, over, over here, Create an ad. So once you're this is what it's going to look like before you're verified. After it's verified, you're just gonna, it's not going to say pending verification anymore. You're going to have the ability to click complete your listing, and then over here, create an ad. So in the case of one of the reasons why I wanted to show you guys the Toys Daily thing for a real life example is because they have 80 around 80 or 90 locations with all of their brands. So if you have multiple locations, you just need to take control of your main location. Then you can add other locations by clicking add new location. So, and you'll, you will have to verify each location. Each location on the map has to have a physical address and a phone number. So, 
Um, this is what it looks like on mobile for the user, and then again over on desktop. Another thing about Google My Business is the ability to get, um, another thing kind of like back to the being efficient, uh, it'll just send you notifications. So it'll send you notifications about how many times people have found you on the map, uh, what they've searched for to find you, as well as any reviews that they've left you. Um, so another reason to verify your business is because whether or not it's verified, they can leave you reviews. You have a listing uh, for the most part, whether or not, you, you guys might not have a listing because you're brand new, but any business that's existed uh, in the last like probably 10 years like has a listing. So it's using, uh, users can review it. So you'll get notifications about reviews that you get, you can read the review, you can respond to the review if your listing is verified. Um, we won't talk about review strategy today, that's a whole other thing, but you can update, you'll get notifications around updates being made on your listing. So just like we talked about a little bit on Google, uh, Gmail for business and Google Docs where there's other users in your organization, you can add other users to be admins or managers of your Google My Business. And so you can delegate responsibilities to people to update hours of operation and things like that. Then you get notified as the admin when that happens just to kind of make sure that you're in the loop of that. And then this is where, how people found you. So 83 people found this particular business in Google in February, and it'll give you three asked for directions, three visited the website, so it gives you some nice analytics around that. Um, all right, so I think we've got just a few minutes before we wanna open it up for Q&A. So I wanna talk about Google Analytics as the final piece of this. I think it's a good final piece because it's, it's definitely the most geeky, like it's definitely, if you thought that some of this stuff is uh, a little bit, well, whether or not you thought it was basic, complicated, or right in your sweet spot, probably Google Analytics is gonna seem a little bit complicated, and it's totally fine. I try to make it as user-friendly as possible. Generally, it's a free uh, platform that allows you to put a snippet of code on your website. Don't get scared by a snippet of code. It's just a copy-paste thing into your website. Then all of a sudden you have the ability to see all of the data about your website. So you can learn who your users are, understand what products and services they're most interested in. You can learn how they find you, which is great for, that's the data-driven marketing piece that Galen, when Galen was talking about using data to drive the next marketing action. How your audience finds you can inform what's working, what's not, or where there's opportunities in the future to get more people to your website. And then of course we all wanna know really what users do when they're there. So what are the top viewed pages? What pages are performing better than other pages on your website? That's where you can identify the pain points. You can block out, okay, this is all working. I don't need to worry about this. But this one thing right here, if we can improve on that on our website, you may not need to spend all a, a bunch of money on a new website redesign or a bunch of time on a new <laughs> website redesign. Google Analytics will tell you, hey, everything's working great except for this one thing. Go in there, figure out how you can change that to make it better, and then you can save time and money and, and generate more business. So, and then examining the effectiveness of your online and offline marketing efforts. The reason I say offline is because you can see the different days <coughs> of year and times of day when different things happen with your web traffic. 
So I'm just going to use the pro fast pitch draft as a good example for this. So that's coming up on Monday. Last year, the pro fast pitch draft generated five, gig uh, yeah, five gigabytes worth of data on the website versus what's normally like a 500 to 600 megabyte traffic site. So using that kind of data, that type of information in Google Analytics exists to be able to say, all right, well, when we had this event um, and we had a flyer for people to go to our website, did that work? So I want you to think of Google Analytics not just as a web tool, but as just an overall business tool. Um, some examples of what you can get in Google Analytics, and then I'm going to show you guys how to set it up, basically how to get it on your website, and that'll be where we wrap for today before Q&A. So who they are, it'll actually track, uh, this is all free, their dem your demographics and interest reports of your user. So earlier on I said kind of something along the lines of you don't need to go to school anymore to be a media buyer or to, be, or to do kind of these IT professions. Well, you don't need like market, you don't need to spend thousands of dollars on market research reports in big binders that companies call people for, you know, for you and give you this. Like you can just go to your Google Analytics account to your demographics and interest reports and see who your web users are. And so that's not gonna give you all the information in a, in a big binder that you would pay for, but it's gonna give you most of it for free. So things like, are they interested in home and garden, financial services, apparel and accessories? Um, this screen is an example of something that you may see in Google Analytics. All it is is this is what products and services are people most interested in in your company? So it's top viewed pages. So it's taking this information based on these other people's history oh, yeah. on the internet. For the demographics and So we get reports. to use all the data that we keep saying somebody's taking our data and yep. now we get to use it. Yeah, so that's, yes. So the way that that works is, and Google Analytics does not, um, it, Google Analytics protects user privacy. It doesn't take your personal information as filled. What it does do is it takes your information as a web user and then it aggregates it together with everybody in this room. And so it says X percent of your web users are interested in this, not Phil is interested in this. So to your point, it does take our information, but it keeps it private as to who the actual person is. So you're never gonna be able to really get anything in Google Analytics that's a personally identifiable piece of information. Um, and it, it pulls, it does pull it exactly where you, where, where you said it, from your internet browsing history, through cookies from your social media profile that's connected with your browser cookies as you navigate to websites and things like that. Um, so in this case, we can look at things like, this is a, an e-commerce uh, direct-to-consumer company that also has, that also sells at a retail location. So they can get data around like what products are not only the most viewed, but which, which are the ones that, are, that people are actually most interested in. So the reason why I can say most interested in is because of some statistics in Google Analytics, just one that I'll talk about today, that's called bounce rate. So the bounce rate is the rate at which people will enter on a particular website and then immediately leave right away. So a bounce would be like if I walk into a, a retail store to buy something for my wife and it's just totally the wrong store. Like I immediately know like this is not gonna have what she wants 
and I leave, that's a bounce. But an engagement is if I go in and just even look at one item and say, oh, this is interesting, and then leave, that's an engagement. So the lower the bounce rate, the better. So when I say most interested in, you can look at the bounce rate on a page-by-page -page basis on your website, and you can say, okay, well, this product page or this services page has a much lower bounce rate than this other one. And so I say just try to spend 30 minutes a month in Google Analytics, and you can, you can know who your web users are, what they're most interested in, how you're getting your web traffic so where you can go then market more effectively. One of the things I want everybody to do in their 30 minutes is look at the bounce rate on their top 10 pages to tell them, okay, people are actually way more interested in this thing than this other thing. And then you can make a decision based on that. And then the same thing, bounce rate can apply to how your audience finds you. So um, you'll see things like direct, which is, so this is how you get your web traffic. Direct would be somebody typing in mjchamber.org. Um, social would be any social media outlet. You can drill down, you can click social and see how many people you get from Instagram, how many you get from Facebook, how many you get from LinkedIn, etc. <clears throat> Organic search is, uh, is searching on either Google or Bing or Yahoo, and then the user has clicked on the result to get to you. Um, referral is any website, maybe like a partner of yours that's linking to you. This is where I find the most that help, that help clients that they don't know about. So <clears throat> there's a local fashion brand here that we worked with, this is a good example. And um, they had articles written about them that were linking back to them about particular products that were actually generating sales. And then, and then they also had partners that they were paying for articles to be written about them that were generating sales. Well, we went into referrals and showed them all that and come to find out like one of them that they barely paid anything for had generated a ton of sales. One of them they had no idea even existed had generated a ton of sales. And then a couple of them that they had paid for, they did okay. So the action items out of that are write an email or pick up the phone and call the ones that have done really, really well and say, how else can we partner with each other? You're, like this is really working for us, you know, what can we do? So there's always those opportunities that exist. And then depending on all the different marketing that you may or may not do, Google AdWords or Google display banners or any kind of like um, digital advertising would be under display or paid search. So you can drill down and see. Uh, if I rant, I was telling you earlier about running an ad off of your Google My Business listing, Google Analytics would be the way to see like how well that, okay, I spent, 100 bucks last month on that ad. I want to see what it actually got for me. Google Analytics, you'd be able to drill down under paid search and see the information from that ad, how many visitors, how long they stayed on your site, how many pages they viewed, what the bounce rate was. And then if anyone is super into this and wants to know like sales numbers, like how many, like what was the actual return on investment, Google Analytics allows you to set up goals and actual funnel visualizations to see like how they converted or how far they got down into your, before uh, purchasing a product or a service. So um, these are just some different examples of visualizing the data. You can see how users move through your site. But in wrapping up kind of our last exercise, I just wanted to show you guys like how you would get set up in Google Analytics. 
Um, so going to analytics.google.com, and then um, this would be a good way of also finding out if you already have it installed on your site. Um, if you have had someone set up your website for you and install Google Analytics and share access with you, then you would already see an account there. Chances are um, you'll, you're somewhere in between. You may not have it at all. You may uh, have had someone set it up for you but not share access with you. And so if you know that there may be Google Analytics on your website but you wanna try to find out how, the way to do that would be to go to um, go to your website. Um, and if you really wanted to find out, you can right click and do something called view page source. Then do command or control F and type in UA dash. And then it'll take you to, this is UA stands for universal analytics. So this is the snippet of code I was telling you about. So this is what I would do. If you're, if you're like, okay, Paul talked about Google Analytics. How do I even know if I have it? Go to your website, right click it, view page source. You're gonna get this code view. Do control or command F, which opens up this. So you don't have to look at all this code. Type in UA dash and then if there's nothing, then you don't have Google Analytics on your site. It's fine, That's, we'll show you how to set it up. Or if it does, but you have no idea how to access it, you probably know maybe the one to three people who would have put it there, and you might wanna you know, try to investigate getting access, which I can show you guys how to do, but that's how you find out if you have it. So the chamber obviously has it. Now we're gonna bounce back over to the presentation here. Setting up your account is gonna be independent of whether or not that code is on your site. So let's say you have it, but you don't have access to it. You know that for a fact. Go set up your account first, and that's just gonna be your email account. So that email account that we set up, or that you may already have, that's a Google, so it's paul at datadriven.design is a Google email account. It's now going to be able to be a Google Analytics account. So it has to be a Google account. Once you sign up by clicking sign up, that's all you have to do, now you're in. Um, let's say you have Google Analytics, that person, you're gonna ask them now, I see this UA number on my site, please find it and add Paul at datadriven.design as a user to that account. There's a good chance that's all you may need to have to do to access your analytics. If you're setting it up, this is how to set it up. You're going to see a screen um, that's going to look like this when you first log in. And you're going to go and click Add New Account, which is going to be under a drop down right here, under this account level. And it's going to show you this name. It's very much like the other stuff I showed you. It's just going to be Type in your name, your account name, the name of your website, and then right here is just really the most important thing, just the actual URL of your website. And then you're gonna click this blue button, get tracking ID. And then it's gonna give you, this is gonna be your tracking ID right here in this field, and it gives you all the instructions. You're basically gonna copy this, 
And then most of the websites in the world are either on WordPress or Squarespace. Um, and if you're on another platform, it's gonna be just as easy to do that. And you can contact me and I'm happy to help you. But Google and, but uh, WordPress, chances are your theme will just have a spot where you can paste the code in. Or there's a, a plugin called GA Google Analytics that will, all you need to do is paste the UA, or type the UA number in. And then after that, uh, and then Squarespace, if you have a, does anyone in here have a Squarespace website? All right, awesome. So if you, it's probably even easier for you, um, if you go, if you log into Squarespace, and then over on the left-hand admin side, click website, and then advanced, you'll see advanced and external services. And then when you click external services, you'll be able to just type your UA number in there. And then you'll click save. And from that point on, Google Analytics will start tracking the data from your website. So all the things that I talked about with being able to see those different things, um, those four main categories of, of uh, your user information on your website, you'll be able, like the next day, you'll be able to start seeing data. And you won't really have anything conclusive. I mean, I would say like at the end of that first month, like 30 days later would be the first time maybe go in there and then spend 30 minutes in and try to go into, uh, like there's audience reports, behavior reports, and acquisition reports. So those are the three, audience being how many people behavior, what are they most interested in, and acquisition, where did they come from? Under audience is where you find your, the demographics and interest reports. So, and I think all you guys have 80 different ways to contact me, thanks to Gateland, so it's <laughs> awesome. So if anyone, like, if any of this was just like super fast or whatever, I totally get it, so I'm happy to just one-on-one -on -one with each of you or anyone from your team you know, happy to talk through this stuff. So I've got some bonus content and I think we have time for Q and A if we're good. Yeah. But Questions? Can you, you know, you talked about sending ads from uh, the Google business mm -hmm. listing. Could you um, just talk just a second about the difference between boost and a sponsor on your Facebook ads? Because yeah. you get similar data from those like you did the Google Analytics. Yeah, sure. And then I've got, that's actually the bonus content was how to run an ad. Sorry. It was, no, the bonus content was how to run an ad off of the Google My Business listing. So I'll talk about social media and then that. So yeah, the difference between, real quick, Facebook is going to be mainly what I talk about because it also includes Instagram and it also includes all of the mobile apps most of the mobile apps that you would ever see on your mobile device, um, as well as just a ton of other partner websites. Um, and if any of you are on Instagram or know of uh, coworkers who are on Instagram for your, either for personal use or for business, um, stories is big. So Facebook allows you to boost posts, which would be just making, making a regular post and then putting it in front of a group of people that don't have any idea who you are or don't follow your page um, or like your page. So increasing your visibility, boosting a post is the simplest way to increase your visibility. Um, so it allows you to do that. And then it also allows you to run ads, which is different because a post is gonna be seen on your page. 
an ad is not going to be seen on your page, but it's going to be basically like snuck through the internet onto other people's Facebook feeds. And so there's a few different, a few different differences between a, a boosted post and an ad. That's one of them. Another one is, um, so sorry, for each of them, you can target, like let's say you're a local business that has you know, five or six major competitors. You can make a Facebook post and then actually boost that or put it in front of people who like all of your competitors' pages. Or, and, or, uh, you know, 50 to 60 year old women who have foot pain. And you can build audiences um, around the fact that like, I know that 50 to 60 year old women who have foot pain like need to see this post, but they have no idea who I am. So that like, our business has a solution for your problem type of scenario, which is always the case. That's where you can increase your visibility for like five, for really one to however many dollars you wanna put behind it. And Facebook will give you the data around how many people you're expected to reach and expected to engage with your post. So, so how specific can you get with narrowing down your target? You can get, like it'll tell you when it's too small. Um, it has to be, it has to reach at least a thousand, a thousand or so people for the ad to run. But you can get super specific. Like you could say, I wanna target high school principals who are, who are men who are in between the age of 28 and 42 who like basketball the Detroit Pistons are their favorites and that's, a, that's the ad not the boost the either one really? the, the, the ad and the boot the ad and the boost can do both of those things as well as the Instagram sponsored story as well as the Instagram ad all anything you can do in Facebook can do those things the major difference between a boost and an ad one is that the boost is going to be seen on your page because it's off of a post that you've created. The ad is not going to be seen on your page. Two, the boost is like short term. <coughs> so by short term, I mean like two weeks or less. Mm -hmm. um, an ad would be like, we want to run a three month to 12 month campaign and we want to layer in all of these different, like there's going to be a process between when somebody is interested in making changes to their website, looking at digital marketing, looking at rebranding, needing a new website. That's gonna be just, that's like a 12 month probably thought process for most businesses. And we might be in at the last three to six months of that. And that's similar for a lot of professional service-based businesses. Um, for, for like direct-to-consumer products or retail stores, it's more short-term, but a direct-to-consumer like retail store or online business would still want to do a boosted post for the short-term and then have like a long-term <clears throat> strategy for their Facebook ads where you're running ads to generate awareness for like three months and then you're run, running ads to generate conversions for the next three to six months. So if you put an no, 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 go ahead, finish. If you put an ad on Facebook, one of the things I wanted to do was um, put an ad on a, a mobile app, uh, games that people play on their phones. There's a couple different ways of doing that. It's Facebook. Very cost-effective. You can do it through Facebook, and you can do it through uh, Google AdWords display ads okay. on the display network. Okay. 
and a thing called placements. Um, I'm happy to show that to you, maybe offline, but that's a very specific thing where you can say, I want to place a display ad on this particular app or website. And um, if, it's part of the, if it's part of the Google Publisher Network, which it probably is if it's running ads, you can get it there. Okay. Um, there's one more thing that I want to say about the Facebook question real quick, because I think it might, have you guys heard of the Pixel, the Facebook Pixel? Have you heard anyone like say it? Because I'll just be honest, like, nobody knows what really what it is, unless you've actually used it. But it, what it really is, is uh, it's much like Google Analytics, where you put it on your website. But then it allows you to, oh, so you guys will probably know what it is as a user. So when I bought these Nike shoes, I went in and went to Nike.com and then put these shoes into my cart and then, but didn't buy them. And I put like probably four other pairs of shoes into my cart and just, my son wanted to play as <laughs> x.nike.com and went to play with my son or whatever. Well, then I started seeing ads in my Facebook feed for these Nike shoes. So the Facebook, Nike.com, and anyone can do this. You don't have to be Nike to do this. You just get a Facebook pixel from your Facebook account, put it into your website, and then you can advertise that way. So I think people tune out sometimes when I talk about this long-term strategy, but if you stick with me through the Facebook ad difference than post, you can't do anything with a pixel with a post. But with an ad, you can say, I want to run an ad to anyone who's been to my website in the last 30, 60, 90 days. Anyone who's just seen the web page, anyone who's seen a specific web page, anyone who's put an item in their cart, anyone who's purchased an item, I, I can run this specific ad content now to them. So there's a, that's a, another huge difference between an ad and a, and a, like, Facebook Ads Manager is like, there should be a degree in it. Like there, there should be, if there's anything that there should be like a college degree in right now, it shouldn't be what the traditional marketing stuff has been in the past. It should be like, learn Facebook Ads Manager because it's super powerful. You can do all that stuff. Get right in front. I think Mark, Mark, did you have a question? I have two. Yeah. Um, Things have probably changed, but there was a time not that long ago where I was under the understanding of being told by our website guy that Google recognized business-centric locations, um, and there was an advantage to having an address in a place where a lot of other businesses were, rather than showing an ad, uh, a business address 12 miles out on a country road where they actually were. That was their dining room table and where they were doing their sales. We tried to monetize, use our address for $100 a month without too much luck yet. But is there a truth to businesses receiving better treatment on Google if they um, are around a lot of other businesses? No. Okay. No. It, Google wants you to be truthful about where you are and where you conduct your business and where actual users would find you. Okay. And so it's also going to be bad. It's generally going to be bad business practice too, and leave 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 yourself susceptible to negative reviews. If you, if, I mean, if you're there, conduct like if you make a business decision, 
we want to be around other businesses for XYZ purposes, and we're going to conduct business there every day, and then we're going to have our Google business listing there, because that's where we are, and we've made this business decision, then it makes sense. But if you're making the decision specifically because of something that may or may not happen with Google, it's that that would be wrong. That would be the wrong thought process because you wouldn't you wouldn't get any benefit out of that. My other question, you talked about how mentioned how quickly people get into your site, look around, and then leave, or others that just seem to stay. How do you know whether they're staying because your website is so clunky that you can't find your way around and it takes you forever to find what you're looking for? Versus somebody that's got a pretty user-friendly website, and you can just zip, zip, get that dragged down and be gone in 30 seconds, and probably got more information than the one I stay on for three or four minutes, but still don't get what I'm looking for. Yeah, that's a great question. So Google Analytics would would allow you to do all of that, and the one uh, I alluded to it earlier, but it's called setting up a goal. So you can set up a goal in Google Analytics. If we have time, I can show you guys. It's a it would be something like uh, you have a lead generation form, a form you want somebody to fill out, and that might be like your main um, conversion. Uh, you can you can say, all right, uh, when users fill out this form, they go to this confirmation page, and so you can set up a goal that's based around how many people have viewed the form page and then viewed the confirmation page, aka filled out the form, and so then you can. Um, you can line up the data in Google Analytics around, you'll see uh, sessions, users, time on site, pages per visit, bounce rate, and form submissions. You can name it, whatever you want. Um, name it form submissions. And so then you can, you can calibrate like, all right, well, uh, do we only have 15 seconds on this page because it sucks or because people are filling out the form and it's amazing? And so, you'll see that you need to set up the goal in order to see that. So that would be one, that would be the simplest way in just the free Google tools where you could do that. And it takes about 90 seconds to set up a goal. Um, there's a, and you can set up all, all types of goals. Um, another, like there's all sorts of cool tools out there that, that I use. One of them is called, a, it's called heat mapping, but you can basically put another, like it's like the, analytics code snippet and the Facebook pixel code snippet, there are probably five or six major tools that will allow you to do this, where you can get another snippet of code, put it on your website, and you can literally see every place on your website that users click or scroll to, um, and you can make decisions on, okay, we've got, uh, nobody scrolls down this far on our website, but we really want people to see this content that's down here. But no, we know no one's seeing it because of it. So that's what we call heat mapping. And that's really easy to do too. But, but that would be like a second level to what I said with the Google Analytics goal. But does, does that answer you? Okay. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> that's where we, like, I say data over opinions all the time. Not that opinions are bad, but opinions can really be those business. Op nothing is a business injury like an opinion. Because you get more than two people in a room talking about something and you have way too many opinions. Nothing's getting done. So you can use the data that we're talking about to get stuff done. And that's been a way that we've been able to just navigate and be productive and 
really bring people together without hurting their feelings. Because we'll be in a meeting trying to make these kinds of decisions about websites or marketing strategies. So-and-so wants to do this. The other person wants to do that. Their cousins came over for dinner and said that they liked this over that. Okay, that's all great. Like, I respect that. The reality is that that happens. But also the reality is that you're never going to have anything productive if you go by that. But if you go by, hey, I know that you like this, but for your website, in your vertical, for your target audience, let's just look at the data and see what they like and what they're doing, and then make decisions around that. So that's where, I'm glad you asked the question because that would be a way of making sure that, one way of making sure that you can get there. Stay healthy and go fast, prevent the injury. It's annoying to do all that stuff, but you get more done. So, oh, uh, Phil, and then if we have more time, I can do the bonus cons. Are we good on, should I keep going? Okay. Yeah. Good one, Ashley. You're fine. As, as soon as I got this demand, <clears throat> I started getting calls from telemarketers. You want to do these other things with yeah. Google AdWords? Is that going to increase or can I do anything about all those annoying phone calls? Oh, uh, yeah. Pro I mean, so one thing you can do to prevent some telemarketers, I just know this from personal experience, if you buy a domain name at GoDaddy or anywhere and you do, I don't like paying the extra $8 a year for the privacy protection. But if you don't, like I guarantee you over the next two weeks, your phone will ring nonstop from telemarketer calls trying to sell you all kinds of services. Um, so, I, so I could see where it's happening with some of the Google stuff too. Um, I would ignore it because it's, to me it's that noise that's like, what we're trying to talk about here today is, are really the things that you need to stay focused on. So, the, so if, if people are calling you saying, hey, we can help you run an ad for your business on Google, let me just show you real quick. Like, If you go in, do you remember that screen where it said like, create ad? So if you do that, you basically get taken to um, Google AdWords Express. And Google AdWords Express is key for any local business um, that just wants to generate phone calls or um, I guess, uh, on-site traffic with people coming in and out of your out of your office, um, or web or website clicks. But but it's really good for phone call. Uh, if you have an event coming up and you want to try to generate some interest over the phone, or if you're a service-based business and you want to get more uh, potential leads, um, you can target ads around your around your location or in specific cities, states, or counties and it'll start to build your potential audience size. So again, like, forget going to school to be a media planner like back 10 years ago. You have this at your fingertips, you click run ad, it starts to all of a sudden build your ad for you. Don't worry, like, it's, it's, you'll know when it's running and when it's not. Um, but it allows you to set your, um, it'll, sorry, it allows you to show at the search engine results. So where a user would have searched on Google to find your organic listing. This is just an accelerated way of getting you to the top uh, at a really, really low cost. Um, so you can, it'll tell you like your estimated performance. You can set your per month maximum, which gives you your per day average. It'll show you exactly where you're gonna, where you're gonna be seen. And then um, it's gonna track, uh, I mentioned phone calls. So it'll track verified phone calls to your business. So really good for ROI. So. Just to put it into context, like you can spend 
$100 a month and generate potentially somewhere between 10 and 50 phone calls, phone call leads for your business on Google AdWords Express. Um, and then I was gonna do a let's build an ad together, but this is what it looks like. So you pick a goal for your ad. I mentioned phone calls, visits to your storefront, or clicks on your website. Um, you can go up to a 40 mile radius around your business location, or actually this is where, Mark, like you don't really have to run it around a physical location if you don't want to. You can run it just around like generating a phone call to anyone that's anywhere. You can just put in whatever geographic area you want to generate the customers in. Step, the next step is to basically put in what kind of service you are. You get to put in up to 10 services and then you create your ad. Now you only get, this is actually kind of good because you only get 30 characters in headline one and 30 characters in headline two and 80 characters in the description. So you don't, you can't overthink it. You basically just kind of have to build it a few times where you feel good about your character. It's harder to write for shorter. So it might take a few times kind of building it. And then you type in the, your website that you want people to go to if they were to click on the ad and then the phone number that you would want them to call if they saw it on their desktop or if they tapped on their mobile device. And then um, if you, when you're in here, you'll be able to click, it'll have verified phone calls turned on. I would recommend you keep it turned on. And if you click this little button that says listen, it'll play the message that the person who's gonna be answering the phone would hear Note, noting that it's a call from your Google AdWords Express ad. So that so you run your ad or you, you let people know them, either you're answering the phone or one of your coworkers, you let them know to listen for this message. Basically, we're running an ad, answer the phone all the time, listen for this message, let me know if that turned into a lead or, a, or if it turned into a sale. And um, here's what you're gonna find. The, around 90 to 95% is gonna be on smartphones. Um, and that's where you want, like that's where everybody is, so that's what you want. And that's where it's gonna be that verified tap to call. And then um, you're gonna basically have the ability to go in and refine your keywords. So you can go in and like change around to see if your ad's working or not. You can add different keywords, turn some off, because it will, in some cases on AdWords Express, it'll run some keywords that aren't as relevant to your business. You can just turn those off. And so um, that, like, that method of advertising is the most cost-effective way for a local business to generate phone call leads. So if that's something that is relevant to your business, I would highly recommend running them. And if you run them off of your verified Google My Business listing, um, it'll show you more frequently on that map. Um, so I have on a the question. Map results. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. Um, I'm very guilty of if I see it says ad, I don't click on it. I go, I skip it and go to the ones that don't list ad because I'm like, I don't yeah. know why. Yeah. That's just how I've done it. And so, I mean, I, I'm assuming there are other people out there that are like me that go, oh, this is an advertisement and just go down. So, yeah. What so the data shows okay. that the cost per customer acquisition on something like this right. is going to be around ten to fifteen dollars, okay, um, or less, and it's going to be around three to four dollars 
uh, for the click. So to get to to get someone into the top of your funnel, it's going to be around three to four dollars, okay. and to get someone who's an actual lead, it's going to be around ten to fifteen dollars. And if you were to do this through Facebook, which is also very effective, it's going to be more like twenty to twenty-five dollars okay. per cost per customer acquisition on something like this. And um, then the data also shows that when we've so we've run this, we've run these ads for client all types of different clients for the last two, two and a half years. So we ask, okay, we see that you're getting just a crazy amount of verified phone calls. You can go and see the legitimacy in the platform to a certain extent. Um, so right here, you can see all the verified phone calls. Right. So you can see like this one, a couple or zero seconds, but this one, eight minutes, 54 seconds, these two, minute and a half, minute and a half, minute and a half. So then we ask our clients, uh, okay, you get that whisper, it's called the whisper message that I was saying you could listen to. When you get those calls, how many of them have generated into actual sales? I was, I was expecting like the first time that I started doing this, it to be super low. Well, it's actually like above 50% of the time okay. for all of these clients. So again, I don't get into like what I do. Right but I just want to get into what works and what doesn't work. And so it's like like anything else, this is not gonna work for 100% of businesses, but it's the, it's the advertising tactic that has worked for the highest percentage of businesses at the lowest cost. It's the least sexy thing to do, but it's like, it's, it works. Um, I think Facebook is the next, the Facebook ads that I was talking about with the boosted post and the ads manager stuff, that's the step up. If you were to like chart out the most cost-effective digital marketing, Google AdWords Express would be number one, Facebook ads and boosted posts would be number two. Okay. But they're both like, everybody should be doing both of them. Mm -hmm. Because Facebook's capabilities of targeting far outweighs Google. Like the control that you have over the Facebook ads mm -hmm. far outweighs what the control you have over Google AdWords Express. Okay. So, right. like so if AdWords, we, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. You're good. Do you like AdWords over AdWords Express? I like AdWords Express over AdWords. Okay. Mainly, AdWords is extremely expensive. So you're gonna, for the top spot, on AdWords Express, you're going to pay 3 to $4. For the top spot on AdWords, you're going to pay 40 50 60 80 90 $100. Reason being is because on AdWords Express, you're basically a remnant impression, which means, so if you think about, um, Google has a certain amount of people searching for keywords at any given time, any given time of day. Advertisers bidding on AdWords are saying, I want to be, I want guaranteed in this spot from this time to this time, on this day or every day. So they're paying for that premium. AdWords Express advertisers are just, just saying, I'll pay to get in there whenever there's an opening. So that's why it's that much cheaper. And uh, but you still get the same spot. So that's why I like it. Google AdWords is just too expensive. Okay, so can I ask another question? Yeah. Like Facebook, the, the Facebook ads are great. How do I save time with having like Facebook ads, Instagram ads, things like that? Yeah. And how effective is Snapchat? Because I know that is. <laughs> yeah. 
right now, you know, so is there like a blanket that I can go in and do this and I want it on all platforms? For Facebook Ads Manager, you can do, to, to answer the saving time question, I would use Facebook Ads Manager, and when you deploy an ad, you can set it to run in like up to 15 to 20 different places. Okay. Uh, some of them being Instagram, Newsfeed, Facebook Newsfeed, and uh, the audience network. So okay. a lot of this, I'm self, most of this I'm self-taught on. And so like the first time I ever ran a Facebook ad, I also noticed that it was on like mobile apps that I was looking at. Right. And so that's the audience network. So like the saving time piece, Facebook Ads Manager is great for that because it'll allow you to like check or uncheck a certain amount of boxes as to where you can run that one ad and it'll give you a preview of like here's how it'll look here, here's how it'll look here, here's how it'll look. Okay, you're putting in the content one time. Okay, that's great. Yes. That's what I wanted to know because yeah. I'm thinking like, yeah. it's just for efficiency. Yeah. to his academy there's I think it's four classes mm -hmm. and, and you were going to tell him there's a fifth one coming up which is what social media is that what you're talking about Google Analytics is coming up oh. Uh, oh. the first Wednesday in May so I think it's the the second the second or the seventh he gets more in depth to some of the things that he talked about today um, and it's you know I agree with him I mean I gone to some of these things at different places and I keep hearing it and hearing it things change every day and it is like getting another whole degree and, but it, it's but I know for me I think that I was telling Paul this the other day I, I work with a lot of interns and I also work with business folks and we always think that the young kids know how to do all this you know what they know how to do is take selfies and put their stuff on social media, but they don't really know how to do this for business. The reason I say that is we're all in the same boat. They're in the boat, we're in the same boat. This stuff is changing all the time, and you know, I give a lot of credit uh, to Lisa because she stays up on all of this, and she gets a lot from podcasts. He's got a ton of podcasts, and he has a lot of tips. And I mean, there's a lot of people out there doing stuff, but I know I'm also into sports, and I know that stats don't lie. And that's why I was drawn to data-driven design, because the stats are there, and it takes my opinions out of it. Because I might like a blue background, but the white background is better. You know, the stats show it. Then you go with the stats, because that's drawing people your website. Now, I don't know that what I just said was true. I still like blue, but yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying the stats don't lie. I don't know about the color of the backgrounds. Um, so anyway, I'd like to thank Paul for coming out here because he did come way across uh, to get here, and I think depends on. Thanks again for listening, and thanks for the kind words from Galen Wilson, who is the host of this event for the Mount Juliet Chamber of Commerce uh, Small Business Boost.
And um, don't forget to share this podcast with some small business owner or digital marketing geek that you think can benefit from it. Thanks and have a great day.